Welcome to 52 Weeks in the Word. I'm your host, Trillian Newbell, and with me today is author, speaker, and Bible teacher, Nancy Guthrie. You have written on many books of the Bible, and I must say, I was uniquely thrilled when I learned that you were writing a book that has since released on the book of Revelation. Your book is called Blessed, Experiencing the Promise of the Book of Revelation. So here's my question. What were some surprises in this book? Specifically, are there some lesser known verses? I know verse, uh, Revelation 5, Revelation 7, Revelation 21. Those are kind of those often quoted verses, but is there anything that I imagine there's lots of mysteries that are yet to be uncovered? Yeah, well, let me say this first. You know, when I thought about writing a, a book on Revelation, or really when I was first asked to teach it a number of years ago, I'll just be honest with you, Trillia. I started looking for an excuse to say no, right? I'm just like, uh, no, I don't think so. And I thought to myself, well, maybe before I say no, I should actually read the book. And so I started read, yeah, I started reading the book of Revelation. And you come to the third verse, and here's what you read. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and keep what is written in it for the time is near. And then that that same idea is reiterated in the very last chapter. And honestly, Trillia, I just thought to myself, would there ever be some blessing from God that I would say to him, uh, no thanks, I don't need that. I, I just thought, you know, here is a blessedness I'm leaving on the table. And so then as I started to study it, I thought, okay, my biggest challenge is going to be to understand this book. And you know what, Trillia? That was not the biggest challenge. The biggest surprise of Revelation, the biggest challenge, I should say, is to live it. Revelation is a call to patient endurance of the suffering that is inherent for allegiance to Jesus Christ in this world. And it is a call to refuse to compromise with this world, to gain its acceptance and all of its trinkets and treasures. And let me just tell you, both of those things, those are really hard. And, uh, you know, understanding it is not so hard. I think we've made it in some ways more complicated than we've needed to. And I'm really hopeful that my book, Bless, really helps people to just work through the text and see what it is clearly there, and to recognize, here's this book, it tells us to hear and keep it, and so to just, as you go along, for me, every chapter ended with a question, what's it going to look like for us to hear and keep this part of the revelation? And, you know, honestly, that's where the challenge is. That is really good. Yeah, I remember being actually pleasantly surprised by some of the warnings to the churches and, and then that it wasn't as difficult. I And I found myself um, perplexed by who do you think is the audience, churches, individuals, all of the above? And and that's that to me, yeah, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I'd love for you to talk about the audience because that, that was something that I was trying to, as we're applying, because you're talking, okay, this is, it's not gonna be hard to um, understand. It's going to be hard to live. So I'm, I'm curious, how do we walk this out? Yes, that, that's such a good question. So I think in chapter one, 
verse 9, John states it pretty clearly when he says, I, John, your brother and partner in the tribulation and the kingdom and the patient endurance that are in Jesus. And just before that, we've been told that he is told in verse 4, John, to the seven churches that are in Asia. So that's an important grid for us to understand Revelation rightly, is that our first step is to always ask and answer the question, what would this have meant to the original readers? And so we would picture seven churches, like like picture the island of Patmos where John is, and if you go inland, the first church you come to is Ephesus, and then there's this circle of churches throughout Asia. Now, these are not the only seven churches, but when we get into Revelation, we see over and over again that the number seven has significance. And, you know, seven is one of those numbers of completeness. And so when he talks about these seven churches, yes, it is particular to them. And when we get to chapters two and three, we see he writes very specific things to and about each of those seven churches. But really, they're representative of all of the churches in their day and all of the churches throughout the centuries and all of the church now. So that's why I said, yes, all of the above. It's very particular to them. But the important thing about that, Trillia, is, you know, some of the, I'll just say, unusual interpretations of Revelation come because they haven't asked and answered that question. And so they read Revelation and seek to make some very quick leaps to us now. And actually, you cannot rightly determine what the meaning is for us now unless you first go to them then because it's never going to mean anything radically different to us now than it meant to them then so that's an always a good first step to then try to figure out well, what is this going to mean for me now I love that. And so let's let's do that. Let's take one of maybe one of the churches or one of and what does it mean to them then and what should it mean for us now? So we can take one little bit as we're reading and thinking um <clears throat> this is one way that we can apply and think through this. And Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I think that. central to the book is persecution. So you have to think about their situation them then. So here they are, maybe, maybe, it's, maybe it's been uh, up to 60 years since Christ has died and the church is spreading throughout the world and uh, they are experiencing and ex- beginning to experience a lot of persecution. So when we look, say, at those seven letters, we realize some of these churches are already, like Antipas is is mentioned, and Antipas has recently been put to death for the faith. Uh, But then there are other churches that are wealthy and comfortable, and they're actually enjoying all of the perks of Rome. They're... um, and what it's meaning is that they're compromising. They're willing to, you know, go in and dabble in making some offerings to these pagan gods to be accepted in the business community and to be able to sell their bread or uh, whatever it is that they're doing in the community. And so we look at that, we see their situation. And so then we say, okay, what does that mean for us? Well, you and I, maybe you and I right now aren't living in a, a country and in a situation where we're threatened 
to be put to death, but we might be threatened to be marginalized. And it still might take a lot of courage and boldness for us to be willing to suffer for the cause of Christ, for our allegiance to Christ. Maybe we're timid and we stay quiet about it instead of living out bold allegiance to Christ. So that's how it impacts us. Or maybe we're people living in the comfortable West and we're willing to make a lot of what we might call little compromises. But as we look at them in light of God's word, they're actually enormous compromises. We're just going to kind of keep quiet about our faith or, you know, we're going to be willing to, you know, wear the, the pin at work that we're being demanded to wear that might actually signal something that is totally against God's word. And so we're being called on to make a lot of compromises. And so it speaks to us there. It's a call to boldly uh, proclaim the gospel, our allegiance to Christ, and to stand firm rather than compromise with the world around us. Well, to that end, that's what I'm going to pray for. I'm going to pray for us. Um, Lord, thank you, God, that you have given us the book of Revelation and that we can can grow in our understanding of your word through this book. And God, I just pray that we would have no other gods before us, that we would not worship um, the world, that we would not worship other people. God, that our full allegiance would be only you. God, only you can keep us. God, only you can keep us from wandering. So I pray, God, that you would do that merciful work. God, that you would help us to um, worship you rightly, God, to be devoted to you wholly, Lord, and that this devotion, all by your grace, all by your strength, would lead us to speak boldly, to proclaim you to a world that needs to hear about your gospel, God, about your sacrifice. Lord, that you are alive, risen right now, interceding for your own. So God, I pray, Lord, that you would give us boldness to speak and to live rightly. Lord, we submit our lives to you. I said it already, but we cannot do anything apart from you, Lord. We need your mercy. We need your grace. We need your strength. God, I pray that you would give it to us. And it is in your mighty name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Nancy. Thank you.